1: The program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now, with positive living, here's Patricia Raskin.
2: Well, good morning to those of you on the West Coast and good afternoon to those of you on the East Coast. I'm Patricia Raskin right here with Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. This is a program that shows you how to turn your obstacles into opportunities, your problems into solutions, how to get the support you need, and definitely how to make your dreams come true. Today is no exception. You now, I've been with Voice America almost since the beginning of Internet radio, which was about seven years ago. And since that time, it's really grown. I think they started with 20 shows, and now there's probably 250 shows. I've often also stayed with the theme of positive living for 25 years and talked to stations and networks both on television and on radio before it was fashionable, you know, when when I had to convince them to host this kind of programming as an independent producer. And they are and they have, and it's now very fashionable, and I'm so glad because we need these positive solutions, particularly in today's time. And today we definitely are talking about solutions. My guests are Janelle Orsi, and the co author of the book is Emily Doskow. They have co authored The Sharing Solutions, speaking of solutions, How to Save Money, Simplify Your Life, and Build Community. Janelle Orsi is an attorney living and working in Berkeley, California. Her law and mediation practices focused on helping individuals and organizations share resources and create more sustainable opportunities. Emily Dosco has been practicing law in the Bay Area since 1989. Her law practice is focused on family law, including adoptions, parentage, domestic partnership, and uncontested dissolutions. And there's many much more to tell you about them, but I'm going to um, go right to the interview. Welcome, Emily and Janelle.
3: Thank you. Thanks.
2: Okay, uh, this is quite a comprehensive book. It's almost like a text in a way. It's a wonderful resource guide. That might even be a better word for it. And it talks about everything in the area of sharing, from finding the right partners to asking the right questions, when is the right time to share, to making decisions and sharing housing and sharing household goods, even sharing children and food and family and transportation and sharing at work. I mean, it's, it's wonderful and very comprehensive with great resources. Um, welcome to both of you. Tell me how you decided to create this book. Um,
3: Emily?
4: Sure. Uh, the, both of us share office space in the same suite of attorneys, and uh, I've been there about five years, and Janelle uh, joined the suite uh, maybe a year and a half ago or so and when I first met her um, it was over shared birthday cake we get together twice a year in the suite because some of us aren't around all that much and uh, so we get together twice a year share birthday cake and I met Janelle and asked her what she did and she said I have a law practice helping people to share resources of all kinds and uh I had written other books for NOLO, and I said, let's do a book on this. This is great. And I, I've been a sharer from way back. I have done a lot of different kinds of sharing in my life and was just really uh, attracted to the idea because of its uh, all of the potential of sharing to mm. do all the things that the subtitle says, you know, save people money, help them live uh, an easier, more community-oriented life and also Absolutely. because of its sustainability. All right, Chanel, what was your
3: interest in, in doing this and sharing this with Emily? Well, I I kind of came into this because I think that, well, the vision I've been having lately and that I think a lot of people have been having lately is that we could make incredible strides toward living more sustainably and saving ourselves money if we came together as communities and neighbors and friends and found ways to share resources that we would normally otherwise own on our own or to share and cooperate on tasks that we would normally do alone and so I wanted to write a book to give people both ideas about ways to share and the tools for doing so so if for example you thought you you think you would like to share a car with your neighbor uh, we created a tool a sample agreement that people can use to do this and we created we tried to talk people through the list of issues and questions that they would need to consider if they share so really we just want to make it possible for people to do this
2: now you talk about sharing uh, on every single front i mean even sharing family sharing pets sharing food what do you
3: mean <laughs> well we really feel like there's there's so many realms of life in which we can start to make more efficient use of our resources and um one of those is in our homes because it's in our homes where we we consume a lot we spend a lot of money and if people came together and started in their neighborhood sharing household items and sharing meals, uh, it would just make a much more efficient use of their time and of their resources. So, so you mean sharing with the community? Right. Well, you could. Sh- there, I guess there's a lot of different levels on which you can share. There's, uh, on an individual level, you might share ownership of something with somebody or you mm-hmm. might cooperate. So you could share a car with your neighbor or you could trade meals with your neighbor um, but on a community level, there's a lot that people can do to start sharing resources. Uh, for example, there are in Berkeley. There's a tool lending library where you could go to borrow if you need a circular saw or some other tool that you don't own, but you might need on occasion. You can go and check it out
2: of the tool lending library.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, we've also Janelle or
2: Emily, just now. That was Janelle. Janelle, right? Emily. Um What about there are so many single people now, baby boomers, either through the divorce or through death or through just being single? So there's lots of alternative lifestyles, lots of single people. What do you say to single people who, you know, are carrying the financial responsibility all on their own and it's getting to be too much for them, particularly in this time?
4: Well, I guess I would say that sharing is a really great way to um, save money and ease those financial burdens and also to ease uh, the isolation that sometimes can come from living alone uh, for single people who are parents. It can also ease some of the burden of um, you know, caring for a child alone, and there are a lot of different ways that that can happen. They can do that through housing, uh, such as co-housing or shared housing, or, again, through meal sharing uh, and through sharing care for children or, you know, other people that they may be responsible for. Hmm.
2: Okay. Now, what about the privacy issue in communication? What about someone who needs to do that financially but is concerned about their
3: privacy, about their space? What do you think? One thing that we think is really important when you share is not only to find ways of sharing but also find ways to create boundaries and, and protect your personal space, and I think having your personal space is as important as the sharing arrangement itself. And so an example of ways that people do this is in co-housing. What co-housing is, is a a living arrangement where each household, like you might have 30 households living together in a central Mm -hmm. location, but each household has their own space, their own kitchen and bathroom and living area. So they're not sharing that space with other people. Mm -hmm. At the same time, it's all centralized around a shared space that might include a large common house where there's a commercial-sized kitchen where people can cook and eat meals together a few times a week, a large dining area, a large um, garden and play space. It might include a workshop or a kids' playroom or a music room. And so people can get so much more by coming together and sharing, but at the same time, they can. They don't feel like they're they're living in a commune or you know right on top of each other. Everybody mm-hmm. has their privacy and personal space. Yeah. Okay. Um,
2: and what about um, you talk about the community? How do you find those kinds of spaces? You mean the the physical space or yes, the physical kinds of spaces to share? How do you do that that
3: research so that you find the
2: spaces and and the right people?
3: Well, you, you can really start in your own neighborhood because there's so much potential to share with your neighbors simply by the virtue of the fact that you live close together. But if you're interested in going into something like co-housing and, and buying into property with other people, there are actually resources online where you can help to connect with others who are looking to do a similar thing. And there's also co-housing communities around the country. There's over 100 of them and many more mm. that are in the works. And I think if you go to cohousing.org, you can find out about people who are forming these communities and, and find out what's available. Okay.
2: In your experience, um, that was Janelle. I'm still confusing the voices. Janelle? Yes, that was me. That was Janelle. Okay. Emily, we're going to move to you. Okay. Um, what do you think is the biggest obstacle to initiating these kinds of ventures based on sharing? You know, what, 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 uh, why is it hard for people and what is the obstacle?
4: I think there's a couple things. One is people are really used to having their own stuff, so they have to kind of get past that just that sort of habit of uh, doing things themselves. But the other and and greater one, I think, is people are concerned and have anxiety about the relationship issues and about uh, mm-hmm. what's going to happen if there are problems and what kind right. of problems might arise. So uh, what we tried to do with the book was create, uh, you know, prevention tools for that. So there's, as you noted, a list of questions that people should ask each other when they enter a sharing uh, agreement that, are intended to anticipate some of the problems that might arise and deal with them in advance so that people have less anxiety about what's going to happen. There's a, there's a plan for what's going to happen if something breaks or somebody doesn't meet their obligations or something like that. And that, that can just alleviate a lot of that anxiety. And mm. they also added uh, information about uh, some tips about communication so that people have some guidance on yes. ways to communicate with each other without blaming and without creating defensiveness and, um, in yeah. actually... Now,
2: as an attorney, you specialize in this new field of sharing law. Um, what direction
3: do you see it moving toward? Well, I really think that as people start to share more and as the sharing movement grows, every community is going to need people who who can help to organize, administer, and uh, form these sharing arrangements because certain kinds of sharing arrangements will be more complex than others. And so as an attorney, what I do is when if a group of people come together to buy a home together or buy property together or let's say they want to form a small nonprofit to create a a car sharing club or a community garden in their neighborhood, I help them form the organization or I help them come up with an agreement that structures how they share ownership and what everyone's responsibilities are. Mm -hmm. And I also just facilitate the discussion of how it's going to work and uh, make sure that everybody's on the same page to Ultimately All right, money.
2: we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we are talking to Janelle Orsi and Emily Dosco, co-authors of the book, The Sharing Solution, How to Save Money, Simplify Your Life, and Build Community. And uh, where can people log on
4: to for this book? We have a blog at uh, www.sharingsolution.com, and they can also go to the NOLO website for okay. um, a page on the book, which is www.nolo.com. All right. Thanks so much. Uh, You're
2: listening to Positive Living and I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. There's plenty more. We'll be right back.
1: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
2: Hi, everyone, and welcome back. Welcome back to Positive Living right here on VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Patricia Raskin, and you can give us a call today if you are listening live on June 22nd between 2 and 3 p.m. Eastern and between 11 and noon a.m. Pacific. And you can call us at 866-472-5787, 866-472-5787. We're talking about sharing, and it's very timely in our economy now. My guests are Janelle Orsi and Emily Dosko, who are co-authors of the book The Sharing Solution, How to Save Money, Simplify Your Life, and Build Community. Janelle Orsi is an attorney uh, in Berkeley. Her law and mediation practices focus on helping individuals and organizations share resources and create more sustainable communities. And Emily Gosco has been practicing law in the Bay Area. Her law practice focuses on family law, adoptions, domestic partnership. And together, they have put together this wonderful book, The Sharing Solution. Welcome back, Emily and Janelle. Thanks. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, I was saying during the break that sometimes people are, you know, very leery of sharing because they respect their... Um, well, they may not be respected. People may overstep their boundaries. So is it important to have a written agreement? Yes, only um, situations where,
4: where it import, is uh, important.
2: All right, go ahead. Uh, we'll start with... um oh, sorry, sorry. We'll start with um, Emily.
4: <laughs> sorry. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, I think that there are some sharing arrangements where a written agreement isn't really necessary. If you're trading meals with a neighbor, for example, or um, allowing your neighbor to cultivate your garden, something really simple like that, uh, in general, there's not uh, there's not a need for a major written agreement. But if you're doing something where the thing you're sharing has uh, high monetary value, like a car, uh, or your sharing re- agreement is going to be lengthy, or you have a lot of people involved, then a written agreement is really uh, a great idea, and there's just a lot of benefits to it. It prevents people forgetting what you've agreed to. Mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. It's everybody sort of seals the deal, gets people really committed, um, it helps you set out procedures and really think things through. So there's a lot of reasons why it's a great idea and a really, really useful thing to have. Okay, very good.
2: What about um, other kinds of sharing, like bulk buying, for example, or alternative energy? Do you know?
3: Sure. Um, well, one thing that I'm involved in here in Berkeley is there's a cooperative grocery store, and that's a grocery store that's owned by its members, I mean, sorry, owned by its customers. And because we pool resources to to purchase food in bulk, and then we're also the employees of the store, we're the ones who receive the orders and distribute it uh, to the other customers, we're able to save a lot of money. And so people come together can, can come together and afford food, uh, form food co-ops, or they could do something even more simple, such as uh, just joining up with one neighbor and making a bulk purchase. So you could, for example, buy two hundred rolls of toilet paper together and divide it among yes, yeah. multiple neighbors and save a lot of money. So there's a lot of ways that people can can come together and um, you know pull the resources and also have a significant amount of bargaining power. And that's also what some people are doing with alternative energy. Is that I mean right now purchasing solar power requires a huge initial investment that a lot of people can't afford. But if a bunch of neighbors on a block come together and they say, okay, we're all going to get solar, let's go uh, talk to a few different solar companies and see who can give us the lowest bid, because they have this group uh, bargaining power, they're able to get solar much more cheaply, and the whole administrative process of applying for local grants and so on ends up being a lot easier because they're cooperating. Mm -hmm. Okay, your comments on that, Emily?
2: Well, gosh, on on. Sorry, we're talking about the solar energy. I mean, we can move over to.
4: um, I mean, we're talking about bulk buying and also on solar. Yeah, Um, there's a lot of ways that people joining together can increase their bargaining power, and I think staying on uh, um, energy. There's also been some circumstances recently where farmers, for example, have been getting together and. Uh, banding together to purchase wind turbines and then share the power that's mm. generated from that. So very similar to neighbors uh, working together to get solar power. So, it's yeah, it's a great way to get those resources, uh, mm. get access to them for more people. What about, um,
2: Janelle, what about sharing in the workplace? You know, many times people feel that they have to be independent. Um, they seem seems foreign to share in the workplace. Um, and And actually, it could be part of
3: team play. What do you think? Right. I mean, the sharing, I mean, sorry, the workplace actually provides a great opportunity for people to share. And if you go to a workplace where there's a lot of people, because you're there together every day, there are a lot of things that you could trade off and share. Like a workplace could have a shared bicycle or a shared car for just around the town, short errands for employees during the day. Uh, Workers can do carpooling if they're organized about it. And you could also just, um, if you want to share a bread maker, for example, with a coworker, that would be a good arrangement because you could use it one weekend and bring it into your coworker, and sure. they can use it the next weekend. It just provides a lot of opportunities. Um, but business owners also can do a lot of sharing, such as uh, sharing a workspace, which is what Emily and I do, or sharing office equipment or business equipment. A lot of caterers share a commercial kitchen space because they don't need it. Every day, all the time, they might just right. need it for you know, one day at a time. So it makes a lot of sense for people to share these resources rather than own them on their own. You now, I have to tell
2: you briefly, I don't know if you've heard of this, there was a, a book written called The Necklace, right. and it was a very interesting different kind of sharing, but it was, uh, mm-hmm. there were 13 women that came together and shared this very expensive diamond necklace. And it was, and each of them have it for a month. And the whole bottom line is it really wasn't about the necklace. It was about learning how to share and cooperate. And then they started a lot of fundraising for organizations. And um, a lot of good came out of it. I mean, even in terms of relationships between spouses, it was, it was quite an um, interesting concept. And it was written up and in a major book. And so I was just bringing that up because it's, it's a little different but it is a way of sharing and it brought them a whole new way of looking at communication and community and friendship and sisterhood that they didn't have
4: before. Yeah, it's a great example of of a number of things about sharing and one the most immediate is that sharing can help you own luxury items that you couldn't otherwise own yourself. So a diamond necklace is one example, but a vacation home is another one or a boat or even an airplane that, you know, things that really most people can't even consider affording themselves uh, can be made affordable through sharing. But it's also a great example of something I've experienced in my own life, which is that many people start sharing because of the economic benefits and, you know, what it can kind of get them and uh, end up finding out that the other benefits in terms of community and connection with other people are actually greater and more important. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um Here's
2: another thing that we had I had read in the book. Robert Frost wrote that fences make good neighbors. What do you feel is gained by taking, in a sense, fences down literally as well as figuratively? Do you know?
3: Sure. Well, if you literally take down a fence between you and your neighbor or if everyone in your neighborhood on your block took down their fences you have the potential to create a virtual parkland or resort in your backyards because mm. you have so much more play space. You have space where you can share gardens, or you could all go in and, and get some, build some chicken coops and share the, the chickens and um, have access to each other's spaces. Like if one neighbor has a hot tub, you can use the neighbor's hot tub and so on. So it, it can really create a beautiful neighborhood environment. And, you know, Robert Frost said good fences make good neighbors, but he also lived in a different time when people had a lot more access to space. And, uh, and they also had things like cows who, you know, you kind of need to keep them in and not have them trample your neighbor's mm-hmm. garden mm-hmm. and so on. But in urban environments where we have very limited space, it just opens up so much possibility. And once you kind of open the, the fi- open the figurative door or the figurative fences, uh, between you and your neighbors, it just—it really opens the door for so much generosity and so much sharing. And In my neighborhood, for example, I started sharing garden space with my neighbors across the street because I i didn't have any yard space for gardening. Mm-hmm. And they let me start to plant vegetables over there. And it became a cooperative project that we were all working on. And over time, since we had all these vegetables to share, we ended up starting to cook for each other just informally. Mm-hmm. That's and that, great yeah and now we've formalized it. They cook for me on Wednes on Mondays, and I cook for them on wednesdays and uh It's really efficient. It's actually saved me a lot of money and time and cooking and and occasionally we get together and share the meals and so it's just the the quality of life in a neighborhood where people are open to sharing uh is really wonderful and I've do you really, think
2: this is more prevalent now on um, Emily because You know, we don't have the close communities we had 100 years ago. You know, we're not living right on top of our families as we did then for the most part. Yeah, I think
4: there is a shift a little bit back to, um, you know, a a time where people used to live intergenerationally um, and, you know, have more connection with their neighbors and do more sharing. I think that there's been for a long time a trend toward isolation and, you know, self-sufficiency and everything. And I I do think that we're shifting back toward more cooperation and connection with other people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's in part because of economics, but also in part because of people's desire for more community. Um, We have a couple minutes before break,
2: so let me ask you, Chanel, and then uh, Emily. Um, You know, if some listeners um, are leery, but some are inspired and But they don't have a lot of experience with this kind of sharing. What can they do? Now, you talked just about, I mean, Janelle, you just talked about sharing food mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and how, how that worked with your neighbors. And so are those the kinds of things we're talking about?
3: Right. I mean, that's a very simple thing to set up. And if people are interested in starting to share, one thing to do is just sit down and brainstorm. What are the, what are the areas of your life where you're spending the most money or the most time, and do you want to reduce those expenditures? And so if you're spending a lot of money on transportation, you might start to brainstorm ways to share uh, transportation or do more ride sharing. And in terms of where to look, you can either get together with neighbors and start brainstorming with each other, or you could look online for other people, like something like Craigslist or a ride sharing website and um, find other people to connect with. So I guess it depends on what you're planning to share. A lot of things it would make sense to share. And Craigslist has gotten so popular. What has gotten popular? Craigslist. Right, right, because it's such an efficient way to help people
2: redistribute their resources and
3: things they don't need.
2: All right, we're going to take a break. My guests are Janelle Orsi and Emily Dosko, both attorneys practicing in the Berkeley area of California. Um, their book is The Sharing Solution, How to Save Money, Simplify Your Life, and Build Community. And you can log on to thesharingsolution.com. Is that correct? com. No, the,
4: it's just SharingSolution.com. SharingSolution.com.
2: Okay, and there are resources on the
4: website as well for people to share ideas for them? The blog has, yeah, numerous uh, posts on different ways that people are sharing and uh, ideas for people to... Okay, all right, you're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Call us after the break if you're
2: listening live on Monday, the 22nd of June at eight six six four seven two five seven eight seven.
1: What?
5: Pacific time here on voiceamerica.com. I can take care of myself. I can make a peanut butter sandwich. I can brush my teeth and I can give myself a bath. I can walk home alone from school. I can pick dinner from the trash behind the deli. I can watch the baby for the whole weekend. I can keep a baseball bat by my bed just in case there's trouble. Don't worry about me. I can take care of myself.
0: If you're in jail, who'll be there to take care of your family? Something to think about before committing a gun crime. Gun crimes hit home. This message brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. and pundit, Michael DeMarco. You don't know what's coming next. The biggest radio show in the world on Voice America.
1: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
2: Welcome back to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. This is a program that shows you how to turn your obstacles into opportunities, your problems into solutions, how to get the support you really need, and how to make your dreams come true. And we're talking just about that, about sharing and about the sharing solution. My guests are Janelle Orsi and Emily Doskow. They are co-authors of The Sharing Solution, How to Save Money, Simplify Your Life, and Build Community. Emily Dasko has been practicing law in the Bay Area since 1989. Her law practice is focused on LGBT family law, including adoptions, parentage, domestic partnership, and uncontested dissolutions. And Janelle Orsi is an attorney living and working in Berkeley. Her law and mediation practice is focused on helping individuals and organizations share resources and create more sustainable communities. Welcome back, um, both of you.
4: Emily, what is LGBT family law? Oh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender. I work a lot with same-sex couples who are uh, establishing ways to protect their families, Including adoption and domestic partnership, uh, any you know, having their relationships recognized. Okay,
2: all right. In the sharing solution, we were talking about. I was asking you, what are your favorite subjects during the break? And Janelle said, I want to talk about sustainability and being green and having a green lifestyle. So please do.
3: Well, thank you. And and this is one of the biggest reasons why I went into the law practice that I'm in um, to help people share things, and why we wrote this book is I really feel like. Uh, sharing is the biggest thing that we can do to reduce our impact on the planet, um, and one of the one of the reasons this is is because if you share ownership of a tangible object like a car or a lawnmower, that means that there's one less lawnmower or car that needs to be manufactured, and that's fewer resources that need to be extracted from the planet. And so, sharing our consumer goods is a huge way to reduce our impact. But by getting together with people and cooperating and sharing there's so much else we can do to broaden our green practices. So composting our waste, if we were to get together with our neighbors and do composting projects on a neighborhood level, Mm. uh, we could really reduce our waste a a huge amount. Um, And we could also start to make better use of the space all around us for growing food locally because going local, buying local, and supporting local businesses is one of the best ways that we can reduce our carbon footprint. And so there's actually a lot of space around us where we can grow food and do these kinds of things uh, if we were to share those spaces. And um, getting together with others um, can also make sharing more affordable, or I'm sorry, can make uh, green products more affordable. So a a lot of times buying organic um, food can be really expensive, and Mm -hmm. people have criticized it for that reason, that it's not affordable to everybody. But if you get together with others and form a buying club or if you join something called a community-supported agriculture program, you and a group of people can basically adopt a farm, an organic farm, and support them by buying into a certain amount of their their food products every year. And uh, so it's a way to help grow local sustainable businesses, and there's so much we can do through sharing. You
2: know, it's interesting. Um, before I get to Emily, it's interesting because, you know, when I hear you both talking about this, I hear in your voice that this is, you know, this is very common practice from where you sit. You know, where you are, a lot of people do this because that's what you've surrounded yourself in. For a lot of folks outside of that, this all seems a little bit strange and different. And I think for some people, it feels like they're losing
4: their autonomy. Emily? Well, I think it may seem strange and different to some people, but actually, I think, for example, in rural communities, people actually do share and have shared, you know, there's a lot of, kind of taking care of each other that people do, and they don't necessarily think of it as sharing in the way that, uh, you know, that we're calling it in terms of the book, but they are, in fact, uh, sharing resources. They may be sharing tools. They may be um, sharing, like, heavy farm equipment, things like that, and, uh, you know, kind of without even knowing it, maybe they're joining together to run their errands because it's, you know, 30 miles to town. Um, and they save on gas that way. So I actually think it's a little more common than we think, but people just aren't necessarily calling it sharing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
2: All right, yeah, it's done in a different way. Okay, um, Emily, neighborhood work groups, which is what you're talking about in sharing, talk about your work with neighborhood work groups.
4: Well, I've been in a neighborhood work group for about five years, and uh, we have six households involved, and what we do basically during the summer is get together each month and go to somebody's house, and that uh, household or family gets to decide what we're going to do, and they set up a project and uh, collect up the tools, and and we all pitch in and get the work done, and uh, you know it has enormous benefits, including the one that Janelle was just talking about, because we have six households, which means we have six households tools. And so if one person has a circular mm. saw, the other person doesn't need to buy a circular saw for their project or, you know, a, a taller ladder or whatever it may be. Um, people bring what's needed and, uh, you know, it saves the resources in that way. But it's also, uh, like I talked about before, a really, really great way to build community. These neighbors are, um, you know, really uh, special to me now because they've helped me do so much work around my house. And I feel so good about driving past their houses and seeing the work I've done and thinking about it, and uh, it's just been a really great community building thing in our neighborhood. And, and we've gotten a, really a lot done and saved a lot of money on projects that otherwise would have really well. And it really and uh, talk about team building and communication yeah. and learning
2: how to work together. Yeah, absolutely. a wonderful thing. Let's talk about sharing family care, Janelle. We do that a lot. We know. I mean, that's that's old in in the sense that you know remember we would always have playgroups remember playgroups so you drop your child off and then one mom would watch the children one day and then the next day they'd come to your house so is that the kind of family sharing you're talking about right
3: because caring for children or for adults or people with disabilities can is a is a huge can take a huge amount of our time or amount of our money depending on whether we do it ourselves or whether we pay other people to do it And so one thing, one example we talked about in the book is how families can come together and form a child care co-op where they each are given, they're allotted a certain number of hours of care and they must provide a certain number of hours of care and they can do trade offs um, for babysitting. And so you kind of have a a group of people who are there for you to provide care for your child and you don't necessarily have to pay a child care center or so on or something like that. and then, in terms of providing adult care, that can be a huge expense, and there's all mm. different ways that you could arrange it. I mean, some adults only need a minimal amount of care; um, they might just need to be. Taken We're talking
2: off, about people sixty plus, or seventy plus, or eighty plus. Or sure, any person
3: who um, can't necessarily meet all of their physical needs, whether it's something as simple as needing to change a light bulb, or something a lot more intensive, you know, an intensive care situation where someone needs help with their more activities of daily living but but there are ways that you can share in home care like many seniors have come together in communities to purchase in home care which they share so one care provider goes from house to house to provide a certain amount of care to each person and the the seniors are able to to share this cost and share this resource so it helps to keep it helps people to age in place so that they don't have to go into any sort of Residential facility.
2: Mm-hmm. Emily, your comments about that? Yeah, actually, I just
4: learned over the weekend some interesting numbers about, you know, there's, there's very, uh, actually, very few elders are in nursing home care. Uh, and then there's a much higher percentage of elders who need some kind of in home care but really can live independently. And so uh, sharing the resources for that care can just be a very efficient way to do it and and then relating to both that kind of care and child care you know this is something in an economy like we have now you know people want to go out it's expensive enough to go out and then it's even more expensive to pay a babysitter or a caregiver um, but sharing that care in a in a cooperative situation or a trade situation can make that possible which is a great quality of life improvement yeah and in, and it's so, when you think about assisted
2: living you know, there are a lot of people that can't afford traditional assisted living
4: Right, right. Right, absolutely. But they can maybe afford to have some uh you know, someone come to their home or uh to go to someone else's home and share a caregiver who comes there. Yeah, there's a lot of different options. Okay. All right. Um also
2: in your book you also talk about sharing transportation. Mm-hmm. You're talking about driving to work with someone else? That's been going on for a long time too, hasn't it?
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. Although I think it's growing just because of the the growth the growing traffic problems and um increase congestion in all of our cities and also because it's a good way to save on gas expenditures and will also cut our carbon footprint. And there's interesting ways that people are carpooling these days. Uh, One of them is called casual ride sharing. And here Mm. in the San Francisco Bay Area, huge numbers of people cross the Bay Bridge every day to go into San Francisco. And what they do is uh, people who want to ride line up on a certain corner and then people who are going to be driving over the bridge pull up and they pick up a stranger and basically cross the bridge and drop them off in San, downtown San Francisco. Really? Yeah. And Remember so, the
2: hitchhiking, hitchhiking days? It
3: is a it is a kind of hitchhiking basically. It's a little bit organized because people are going to the same place and there's kind of a culture around it of uh, how it works and, and it's also a really good way for people to get into a carpool lane and save on the bridge tolls because when you have a certain number of people in your car you can do that. and So that's growing in, in a handful of cities. There's also something called dynamic ride sharing which is being developed but it's a way that you can use your cell phones to connect with other people. So if you need a ride from from Oakland to San Francisco, you can punch it into your cell phone and the the software will connect you to somebody who's driving from Oakland to San
2: Francisco. And how would you know that? How would they know that? Well, oh, oh I see you plug in and you let the software know that.
3: Mhm. Well, they would know, well, first of all, they would know where you are because it uses GPS technology, global positioning system. But oh, the person involved has an account with the system so that their photograph is in the system and their identity is verified. So when the person comes to pick you up, you can see a picture of them in your phone and know that it's them. And also the person who's driving will get a small amount of money deposited into their account because the rider will be paying for half the mileage. Fascinating.
2: All right, we're going to take a break. Fascinating. Some of these things are commonplace, and some of them really particularly with that new technology is fascinating, and that would be in your book, correct? The sharing Solution. Right. That kind of technology you talked about with, uh, with ride sharing.
3: Right, and it's changing every day, and I could give a few more examples.
2: All right, well, we'll do that after the break. My guests are Janelle Orsi and Emily Dosko, both attorneys in the San Francisco Bay Area and co-authors of The Sharing Solution, How to Save Money, Simplify Your Life, and Build Community. Their website is sharingsolution.com. And uh, take a look at that and certainly – can folks write to both of you? Right
4: now we don't yet have the ability to give comments on the the website or the Mm -hmm. blog, uh, although we're going to add that functionality, but people can also find us through our individual websites and write to us that way. Okay. And they are? Uh, For both of us it's
2: just ourname.com. Okay. So it's uh, JanelleOrsi.com and com D-O-S-K-O-W. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. If you're listening on the 22nd on June, uh, on Monday, between 2 and 3 p.m. Eastern and 11 and noon a.m. Pacific, give us a call right here, eight six six four seven two five seven eight seven. 472 5787 And uh, Janelle and Emily will share with you solutions on how to save money, simplify your life, and build community. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back
3: if you want to put the pet back in your step, Chad Lafferty's has just what you're looking for. Dance is life. Life is dance. It's only about dance. It's about moving through life with style, gaining awareness of the never ending, ever flowing movement that accompanies all of life's activities. Dance is life. Life is dance broadcast every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Radio Network. Be sure to tune in and tap into the limitless healing that dance can provide.
5: No! Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kinda like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how?
1: Just I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh. oh! Uh, there you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Son, we gotta talk about drinking. Uh, I know. I don't want you touching alcohol till you're old enough.
5: Yeah, I, I know, Dad. It's not a big deal.
1: Don't yeah, I know me, okay? And it is a big deal. Underage drinking is just stupid.
5: Yeah, well, why'd you do it?
1: Look, I did it because we didn't know what we know now. Alcohol affects kids differently, okay? When kids drink, it's more dangerous. And you're my kid. And just because they drink doesn't mean you have to. I I know. I know. Look, son, I'm trying to help. I've seen what it does. I mean, you may think you can handle it, but when you drink, it screws up your judgment. Listen to me.
5: This is real. I, I know, okay? I know. Teenagers know everything. So talk about underage drinking before they know it all. Before they're teens. Start talking before they start drinking. And keep talking. To learn more about the dangers of underage drinking and what to say to your kids, go to StopAlcoholAbuse.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council.
1: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
2: Raskin, right here on voiceamerica.com. Still time to call in at 866-472-5787. My guests today are Janelle Orsi and Emily Daska. We are talking about sharing. Their book is The Sharing Solution, How to Save Money, Simplify Your Life, and Build Community. They are both practicing attorneys in Berkeley, California. Janelle Orsi uh, practices her law and mediation is focused on helping individuals and organizations share resources and create more sustainable communities. Emily Dasko does similar work, but her law practice focuses on family law, including adoptions, parentage, domestic partnership, and uncontested solutions. Okay, welcome back, both Emily and Janelle. Let's talk more about technology. What are some of the changes in technology that allow people to share more effectively and efficiently?
3: Well, technology is really making it possible for people to share in ways that they that were never possible before. And I want to give a couple examples. One um, is a there's a website called neighborhoodfruit.com and what it is is a place where you can register your fruit tree. If you have a fruit tree with about 600 plums that are ripe at the moment, uh, which I do. Uh, you can go on and offer your fruit to somebody else who's looking for free fruit. and so mm. It's a mapping system. So someone in my neighborhood who's interested in getting some free fruit can go online and find my tree and uh, figure out a time to meet up with me and get the fruit or pick it up off my doorstep. So, I mean, there's a ton of excess fruit all around. It's, it. it's almost as though you, can
2: get, you almost can get anything that you need to understanding how to navigate the Internet.
3: Right. Yeah, because these uh, these kinds of websites are growing up really fast. And uh, another thing that we've seen is the growth of yard sharing for food cultivation. And here in Berkeley, there's something called Neighborhood Vegetables, which uh, is a group of about 450 people who have put their addresses on a, on a map on a using a Google map, and neighbors can find each other and share each other's yard to produce food. So if you don't have a yard, if you are if you live in an apartment, for example, but you want to grow vegetables. You can find a neighbor who's offering their yard space and start to do gardening in their yard. So it's the mapping technologies, it's the communication technologies that help link people, link you to people you've never met before. And then when you are sharing, if you form a group to share a car for example, there are technologies such as Google Calendar or other online calendars mm-hmm. that you can use to schedule use of the car, and so it really takes a lot of the administrative time and cost out of sharing because everybody can have access to the calendar and update it with their information and there doesn't mm. need to be a central organizer fascinating
2: Annalie, anything you'd like to add to that about technology and sharing?
4: Yeah, we well, we use a Google Calendar at our shared office to schedule the conference room. And the other, um, you know, you mentioned Craigslist before, but they're also on a sort of smaller, more local level. A lot of neighborhoods have uh, neighborhood listservs that are usually Yahoo groups, which are really easy to set up. And, uh, you know, you can use different ways to kind of get people on them, put notices up in public places where, you know, people in your neighborhood are going to go. And then people sign up through uh, through the Internet on the neighborhood listserv, and our neighborhood list service, there's a lot of sharing that goes on. People post information about things they have to give away. They ask for um, people to join them in doing activities or creating things, cooperating on some kind of task, and uh, so that's another great way that technology makes it easy for people to connect up and build community in those ways. Mm, Terrific.
2: Okay. what is the most frequently asked question you get from people after they've looked at your book and they've read it? What
3: is a typical question? Um, I I think that the thing that we're hearing the most is that people are worried about interpersonal conflict. And as mm-hmm. Emily mentioned, that's the first thing that they think of, the first fear that comes up. is you know, Yeah, how am I going to share
2: what if I don't like the person? Right. And sometimes we, don't you just have to try and see if it works?
3: If it's, if there's not a whole lot of risk involved, like if you're not worried about losing something of value, it might be worth trying. Um, if you, yeah, so if you have nothing to lose, it might be worth trying because op- it really opens doors to people trusting each other and people being generous to each other. What, so. what
2: are some markers, would you say, um, Janelle or Emily, in terms of determining if this is a good person to share with? Are there certain questions you should
4: ask? Are there certain observations you should make? I think it's good to look at, um, you know, people have somebody that you already know and trust is a great uh, option for a sharer. But even still, you want to see the person should be flexible, not uh, super controlling, not somebody who's going to be really uh, concerned about every nickel and dime that maybe passes back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, our sharing arrangements that we talk about in the book have reciprocity involved. So, yes, you know, somebody who's going to meet their commitments, but not. necessarily be completely focused on everything being exactly equal all the time uh, because that's sort of a recipe for conflict so flexible generous uh, entering into it in the spirit of generosity and community building those are all good qualities for a sharer okay what would be your message what would be your
2: message um, Janelle that you would like to leave listeners with if they get one thing out of this program and out of your book the sharing solution how to save money Simplify your life and build
3: community. Oh, wow, what an opportunity. My, my one message, I guess, is that sharing is the most effective, impactful thing that we can do not only to lighten our impact on the planet but to save ourselves a great deal of money because every time we share, we, we lighten our economic and ecological impact almost in half. And um, and also sharing just makes the world a beautiful place. It opens the door to a much, gener- much more generous, world and a more fun world, in my view. Mm, Really? Very, very true. All right,
2: Emily,
4: what would be your message? I would say that sharing is possible for everyone. And one of the questions we get a lot is, you know, well, what if I don't want to share X or Y and I'm willing to share A or B? Sharing is possible for everyone. It's all about making, you know, knowing yourself, figuring out what you want to share and then doing it. There are very simple ways to share that anybody can start right away, and then there's ways that people can really take sharing to a new level. But there's nobody who can't figure out some way that uh, sharing will work in their lives. So it's really accessible. Okay. And we've
2: got about three minutes left, so here's a, a, a big question. I'll need an answer quickly. Forming a nonprofit or LLC company to formalize sharing could be more complicated than those wanting to simplify their lives. You know, you're both lawyers and longtime sharers. What do you think about this?
3: Well, I can give one example of when you might want to form a nonprofit. If you and ten neighbors get together to share three cars, you're not going to want to change titles to the cars every time someone moves or somebody joins. And so, forming a nonprofit means a nonprofit's going to own the cars, and you're going to be members. And it also means that if one of your neighbors gets into an accident with one of those cars, you're not going to be liable. The nonprofit will be liable. So it creates a shield. Uh, of liability for people, and it 's also a way to administer more complicated sharing arrangements because people are taking sharing to these new levels of neighborhood car clubs, neighborhood tool lending libraries and in those situations its it gets complicated enough that it might be a good idea to form an, a separate entity to manage it
2: all right, thank you, and we have one minute to close, so i 'm going to thank you both and Emily, thank you for your expertise and Janelle. Janelle Orsi and Emily Daskow, co-authors of The Sharing Solution, How to Save Money, Simplify Your Life, and Build Community. They are both attorneys in the San Francisco Bay Area. You can log on to sharingsolution.com. You've been listening to Positive Living, as I always say, at the end of each show, and uh, Janelle and Emily stay on the line. As I always say at the end of each program, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and no, 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 you can make your dreams come true because you can I interview thousands of people who have done it and will help others do it. So until next week for Positive Living, write to me, Patricia, at PatriciaRaskin.com. Log on to PatriciaRaskin.com. I have many other radio programs. I'd love to include you and also have you on my mailing list. Until next week. I love you all for Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Have a great Monday and a great week.